Hello and welcome to Mother Bodies, the podcast about health after birth and why it matters. I'm your host, Rosie Taylor. I'm a health journalist and I'm also a mum. In this series, I'm asking some brilliant, wise and witty guests to share their thoughts on how the politics of postnatal health affects us all and the big ideas which could change our lives for the better. Most importantly, we'll also be sharing our own stories of health and recovery after birth and our honest experiences of motherhood. That's because it's only by sharing our stories that we can empower each other to ensure we all know what to expect and to make sure we all get the care and support we need, both after birth and throughout motherhood. This is Mother Bodies. So today I'm speaking to Sarah Tateno. Sarah is a mum of two and the co-founder of Happity, the app which lets parents search for and book baby and toddler classes in their area. Sarah came up with the idea for Happity after being made redundant from her corporate job while pregnant with her second child. She then learned to code while on maternity leave and built the app which she launched with co-founder Emily Tritchett. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on today. Pleasure. You were made redundant while you were pregnant, which must have yeah. been really difficult. Um, but that then inspired you to come up with this idea. Can you talk us through what happened there? So actually, it was a bit of a blessing at the time. Um, I think, you know, I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial streak. And I knew that at some point I wanted to be able to start my own business um, but I definitely suffered from imposter syndrome in my younger years and didn't have the confidence to do it. And so actually, when the redundancy happened, and it was a voluntary redundancy as well, by the way, so it was like a, a wider round and it was a good opportunity for me for me to be able to leave at that point in time. Um, it was actually the kind of the push that I needed to go and do something at last, having had some experience behind me. Um, but of course, it is a bit of a stressful situation when you're having an- another child. And there's definitely that question of, oh, goodness, what what next? What's going to happen now? But the kind of response that I was getting from people in uh, sort of assumptions about, oh, well, you know, obviously you're going to give up work and you'll never be working again. And won't it be nice to be a full time mum? You know, nothing wrong with being a full time mum. But at the same time, it, it kind of made me run in the other direction. So that's kind of where the spark came from and, I, and the motivation. Brilliant. I always knew that I wanted to start something. And so this was kind of a, the perfect opportunity to go and explore that and, and do something different. It was my second pregnancy. So I'd already experienced all of the stress of having the first child, all the loneliness and um, seeing that there was a real problem with getting access to information about what was happening in my local neighborhood um, that I was finding about things from talking to other people and it just seemed to me you know why isn't this really easy to get hold of it should it should be at our fingertips and yeah sort of realizing that the reason it hadn't been solved before was because the people experiencing the problem typically kind of busy (laughs) (laughs) with their their very young children Um, and also that they're just you know, not enough women have got access to the skills that they need to be able to start something like this. So again, that was a big, big motivator. So what made you decide that you were going to learn to code and build an app rather than sort of using your corporate expertise to hire somebody and do that for you? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, partly because at that that point in time, it wasn't as easy as it is today, actually, to um, build things without 
any code and I didn't feel like I had the kind of knowledge to even hire somebody and then work with them and be able to you know communicate well with them I also knew that there's a lot of opportunities to innovate particularly in problems that face women for exactly the same reason I've just said it's like you know there was there's a massive gap in all the things being invented for women and so because I didn't know exactly if I was going to be able to do this particular problem and and uh, even though that was the thing that, that I was really um, passionate about I felt that it was it was a good opportunity to upskill um, and have something of a career change and it all kind of slightly happened by accident I I had started going to a bring your baby to to along to code um oh, wow. class it was called mums in tech oh, amazing <laughs> and uh there was also a google campus program at the time as well for for parents who had startup ideas and through that I discovered that there were such a thing existed as a coding boot camp hadn't been aware of it and the idea that I could actually be a developer in 12 weeks and invest in myself and build this thing myself was like super exciting. So it was all a bit of a whirlwind and um, I sort of signed up over the, over a weekend. My my husband was about to take shared parental leave imminently. He thought we were going to have this lovely time off work together. And then I said, oh, look, I could do this 12 week intensive full time boot camp shall I go and do that and he was like yeah yeah that'll be totally fine of course you can do that and I'll look after the children and it was me that was very concerned for him yeah. <laughs> taking taking the time and, and um, being full-time carer and how old were your children then my son was five months old um so you know we were we were still right in the thick of it yeah absolutely. and my daughter was three so uh he he had no idea what he was letting himself <laughs> but you know he he was he was much more up for it and um yeah because I found out about it and the timings just worked out perfectly I think he had 11 weeks of leave booked and the course was 12 it all just seemed to fit so we just went for it amazing the rest is history yeah (laughs) an ongoing project yeah (laughs) yeah so at the time, obviously, I was just starting from scratch. So, you know, I, I, I did the course, learned to code, and it was only later that I then started building Happity as it is today. You've spoken before about baby classes as being a mm. really important way of connecting mums together. Mm-hmm. Why do you think connection is so important when you've got a, a small baby or a preschooler? I just think the whole experience is incredibly overwhelming. And no matter what people tell you, there is nothing like going through it and experiencing it for yourself um, and being able to talk to other people who are at the same stage at you is incredibly important um, because, you know, you're, you're sharing that lived experience at the same time. And it's, it's, it's not the same. If I speak to somebody who is many years ahead of me, it's just they don't quite recall exactly how it was and they can't support you in the same way. Um, so I think it is, you know, it is, it is important to meet people who are at a very similar stage to you. It's important to meet people who are maybe a couple of steps ahead and can say it's going to be OK and, and share that experience with you. But it's really, you know, it's, it, it's just quite a lonely experience at times. So, you know, having local community around you can make an incredible difference to how you experience the whole major life event, I suppose. 
Is that something that you struggled with or experienced loneliness when you became a mum? I think I felt quite trapped at times. Um, Certainly, you know, being in the house with a small child, you sort of just feel very much surrounded by the four walls and nowhere to go, not much to do. Uh, you can't talk to this person or rather they can't talk back so the days just feel incredibly long and so what I found was that having classes to go to not only was it a way of getting out of the house but it gave me some routine it gave me a reason to get dressed in the morning to get washed and all of those sorts of things Um, so I think it it was a much kind of broader thing around it it, it's different from just going I think I'll just go out to the park today and then actually when I was in the classes I would be you know I you know I didn't have a lot of experience with children before I had my own so actually seeing how other people were interacting with the, with their babies was a way of learning parenting skills or like all of the songs you know I remember I do have an older sister and I remember seeing her with her children and I was just like, how does she know all of these songs and movements and all of this sort of stuff? And of course, you learn that from going to classes. And did you have, I mean, you mentioned your sister, but did you have the support of friends and family around you? So I had I had an antenatal class, so that was good. We were a little bit, um, not too spread out, I would say. But even then, I think it, it wasn't a huge class. And of, of course, people want to do things at different times. And and so you don't necessarily fall into the same patterns around um, wanting to go out. And it's also quite a lot of pressure to have somebody over to your house. <laughs> so so, um, so actually, like some of these classes, I did go to them with um, with people from my antenatal classes and that was great because it gave us an appointment and then if something went wrong and you couldn't make it at least you're not sort of leaving the other person completely in the lurch so I think that was very good um, the other thing is that when I had my second child we'd moved house so I didn't have that antenatal group and actually going to things was was the way that I met people at that, that time and I think it's difficult with a second child, isn't it? Because quite yeah. often you don't do the antenatal thing because you know about the birth stuff, but you still need to meet people who are going through the same thing. Exactly. Forming those connections and meeting people is really important for combating loneliness and, and mm-hmm. feeling alone, I think, is one of the things that can really exacerbate mental health struggles if you're having anxiety or you're feeling low then Mm. feeling like you're doing it all alone is definitely makes it worse so having that connection can help I mean I know that you and Emily talk quite a lot on social media about mental health and Mm -hmm. is that something that you personally experienced? So um, actually Emily had quite severe postnatal depression so for her the you know the support of other people and um getting herself out of the house was quite an important part part of her recovery personally I was very lucky that I didn't I wasn't um diagnosed with with postnatal depression or um any particular mental health issues but I struggled quite severely with uh breastfeeding and at the time there was a very big drive towards breastfeeding. It was, you know, all the slogans were breast is best. And it was before the time of fed is best. This was about 10 years ago when I had my daughter. Um, and so she actually ended up with a, an undiagnosed tongue tie. So it was particularly difficult for us. 
So there was a lot of difficulty in those first few months in getting that established and having the confidence to be able to do it out and about as well. So, you know, I think there were times where I was struggling quite severely during that that time. And, you know, so I think even though I didn't have anything partic- like specifically diagnosed, I think there's an awful lot of people who are in that kind of zone of, you know, it could go either way. And I think I feel I feel very fortunate that I, you know, I, I I did make friends, and I luckily I bumped into uh, our antenatal teacher who who had done some NHS classes with us um, at the local hospital, and she could see how stressed I was because um, I just tried to go to a breastfeeding cafe and get some help, and she said give me your address. I'm coming over to your house. I will see you as soon as I can. And it was thanks to her that we were able to get back onto the same, onto the right path. And I think that happened within the first um, sort of two, three weeks that, that she said, you know, I'll come, I'm going to come and try and support and help you. And then later on being able to get referred and, and find out that it was actually a tongue tie that had been missed. So, um, but you know, if that, if it wasn't for that intervention, I'm not quite sure what would have happened. She sounds like a total guardian angel. <laughs> there, because yeah, I'm nodding along here to everything that you're saying. We had a very similar experience yeah. with breastfeeding, lots of struggles, lots of difficulties. And and eventually my son did have his tongue tie treated. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we had a similar lovely breastfeeding support worker who sort of took mm. it upon herself to save us. <laughs> um, which was, you know, and we absolutely couldn't have done it without her. But it yeah. is difficult. And I think especially since COVID when all of these services were cut completely and now they're mm. not always coming back in mm-hmm. some areas, then services like yours that connect mums with other people that might know where to find help and seek that support is is so important. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, do you think there is adequate support at the moment for parents that are struggling? with any aspect of new parenthood mental health or feeding or otherwise i i think it's changed quite a lot particularly since the pandemic and that um an awful lot of support fell away that there 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 wasn't kind of the levels that you expect or need both from home visits but also just in the general community and i'm i mean i'm really hoping that 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 does start to change now it does feel like the end is in sight for, for the pandemic to some extent but I think there have, have been some changes there that are quite difficult to overcome. Yeah. And I think what you were saying before about the fact that, you know, you weren't at a point where you were diagnosed with a mm. mental health condition, but mm. actually that a huge amount of us, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we don't cross that threshold into needing medical help, mm. but actually we do struggle with feeling overwhelmed or sad mm. or trapped, like you said, or lonely. And those are all still really important things that we need support for yeah exactly um and I suppose the challenge is finding that support when you know it's it's not serious enough in inverted commas to get treatment for but Mm. it's you know like you say if you're just sat in your house on your own with a baby it's not going to get better that way either yeah and I actually you know like going to these classes meeting other people just having that bit of social contact that in itself is an intervention that that is a type of treatment um and it's something that you can do you can do that for yourself but you know finding other people that can you can just share that experience with and and say like you know this is how it is for me it's like you're not alone that's you know that's something that other people are feeling too and you can help one another 
And do you think it matters what type of class people go to? I think it's it's just about finding what makes you happy and what that you enjoy for yourself. So I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer on that particularly. It's just what makes you feel comfortable. Personally, I I did like ones where I could do a bit of a course with people. Um, so actually, my fav my favorite was Sing and Sign, um, just because you know we were we were the same group each week and it was quite a small group there was also an opportunity to talk to each other within the structure of the class as well so I just for for me that was a really lovely combination of learning something having a chance to speak to other people and and then and really seeing the joy in my child from the class as well Um, and that's actually kind of where the name Happy ended up coming from was that I was trying to capture like, why do I go to these things? It's it's because it makes me feel happy seeing them enjoying something, but it's a very specific kind of happiness. Yeah. <laughs> it's like even if I'm not like happy for myself, I'm happy for them. And it was a bit of a, a play on words because of, you know, the way that they learned to talk and my son was kind of making these sort of sort of noises at the time and and playing around with that sound oh that's lovely Um, and I think what you said about doing a course where you can learn something for yourself like Mm. perhaps baby massage or sign like you're saying that could actually be really beneficial for your Mm. mental health as well because I think it is quite easy on maternity leave just to feel like you're a kind of feeding changing machine yeah yeah and <laughs> to be like oh actually I learned a skill and it might be how to maccaton please have more milk but yeah, it's still yeah. no exactly I, I think that there's obviously a balance that like you don't want to feel the pressure of going oh, I need to have achieved all these things on maternity leave it's you know it's I think the big learning for me was slowing down and, and learning to go at my child's pace and and sort of going actually speeding this up is is not going to help uh so so I think there is there's definitely a balance it's not you know don't pressure yourself in that way but it is you know in terms of what I personally enjoyed was the the stuff where I was really recognizing the value and enjoyment to myself as opposed to I need to do this thing because it's good for my child (laughs) it's actually I'll go to that class because I really enjoy it I'm probably sort of slightly a fraud sort of smiling and nodding along to your baby class chat because I was a lockdown parent so there were no baby classes right and and actually I'm also really quite disorganized so I know strictly speaking we've been out of lockdown for quite a while now and I still haven't joined any baby classes my (laughs) son's nearly preschool age but yeah I mean I think not having them is something Mm. that you know I really did notice that there was this kind of like you say this big void and you're sitting there and you just sat in the house with the baby and Mm. don't have those connections so um and I think as your child does get older it becomes a lot harder doesn't it you know you go back to work and you have limited time Mm. and people that you know that have babies at the same age you know all of us work part-time on different days so no one's Mm -hmm. ever around at the same time Mm -hmm. and it I I think actually seizing the chance you have to Mm. go and do those classes on maternity leave is so beneficial but I think also when when you're like particularly because of the issue you've just mentioned like Pete your, your friendship group might be working on different days actually going to classes at that point in time is a really great way to meet the people who are off on the same day as you <laughs> good point good point <laughs> and then you sort of create a new friendship group around those those sorts of things so it's um yeah it's nice
And seeing as you're talking about working, mm. I know that you're a really big advocate for making work work for parents. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure this is a whole separate podcast, but we'll talk briefly about it. <laughs> what do you think isn't working in terms of mm. work fitting around parenting life at the moment? And what needs to change to make it better? I just think, you know, the world of work, it, it kind of sprung up at a time where parents weren't both working you know the expectation is that somebody is going to be home with the children um, or a grandparent is going to be there or you know whatever it might be and so for the first thing our our childcare system just isn't set up particularly well in this country (laughs) Um, but also you know having the lack of flexibility with a lot of roles is a is a pretty big problem so in in our company first of all we are fully remote and we've always been fully remote. So when lockdown happened, it was kind of, well, we'll just carry on working remotely. Um, and and that has enabled us to really establish ways of working that that, that are highly flexible for people. So that, that's kind of the first thing is I think technology has really changed what's possible. Um, so it was, it was quite interesting sort of having already done all of this before the pandemic happened and then seeing it's like right everyone's finally catching up now and seeing it's it's possible to work from home um but really I think the the issue we've got is that like men and women aren't being treated as equal parents so you know there's still there's still sort of expectations and stigma attached particularly for men who want to work part-time who want to be around for their children and really there's a there's a big sort of cultural shift that needs to happen around that that people are seen as equal partners in bringing up children um so I I think there's you know that would have a lot of knock-on impact for what it means for for um equality in the workplace and also how policies are formed and it's really interesting that you focus on attitudes towards dads there because I think Mm. that is so important and it is something I'm probably guilty of having overlooked you know it's very easy to sort of get angry about the fact that workplaces don't cater for mums and the fact that we need Mm. to be more flexible but actually yeah absolutely if dads weren't sort of I mean I think there is there is a culture isn't there that if you want Mm. to take time off to be with your children then there's something a bit not right with you that's the kind of attitude yeah. of some bosses isn't there like you're not dedicated enough to the job or you're not serious yeah enough. And so my my eldest is 10 now so that was before shared parental leave was a thing um and actually with my son it, we were one of the first families we qualified by three days oh, Wow! <laughs> so when the change in policy came in we we're like right we're doing that and so you know I have got that perspective of the you know what it was like when it was you know, only the woman was going to take any amount of parental leave whatsoever. Men had two weeks, that was it, nothing. And so the impact that had on me for my career, you know, when I look back, I can see I was already self-editing with this expectation that I was going to have to take time out of my career. And so, of course, it meant that by the time we did have children, there was already a disparity between what we were earning and what our career paths were, that it was then obvious that I would be the one who would take the time off, even when the legislation changed and he could take mm. some time off. And so he 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 did take time off, but with the expectation that, you know, because I was then made redundant, that we would actually have time off together. And so actually experiencing the full role reversal, you know, it wasn't expected, but it was incredibly good for us. And it 
changed the relationship that he had with our children. It changed his understanding of what I'd been through looking after the kids full time, um, what my maternity had been like. He fully understood why Happy needed to exist. <laughs> but I also respected what it'd been like for him working full time and missing out on those milestones. And I think there's just like there's not enough said about the experience for dads because, you know, it, there's an awful lot of pressure associated with being the main breadwinner as well if, if that is how things pan out in your household you know it's it's an awful lot of pressure and responsibility and they are missing out on times that they might really want to have but can't necessarily say well well I want to be the stay-at-home parent or I want to be working part-time they might not feel in a position where they can say that absolutely that's a really good point and you know if we make things better for dads by default things will be better for mums as well if we <laughs> enable dads to be like oh yeah it's really easy for you to stay at home one day with these babies off you go um then, yeah. yeah it's suddenly gives us much more freedom exactly and yeah yeah that's a brilliant perspective I wanted to just go back to new parenthood for you again because you taught mm. you talked about you know feeling alone and your struggles with breastfeeding was there anything else about becoming a mom, particularly probably the first time that mm. you found a real challenge or a surprise that was difficult for you to manage? Um, I think <laughs> hmm, the responsibility of having this other person <laughs> dependent on me forever. Uh, and, and then it would, it was for eternity. <laughs> I think, I think there's a this sort of real shock of taking this person home and going, Oh, right. Well, they're not going away they, this that's that's it now so um I think yeah just it, it's a real growing up moment isn't it <laughs> don't feel like a real grown up until you've got children going oh actually I have to be the adult now but yeah I mean I love I do love parenting it's like got all of its challenges but I love the all the things that you you learn about yourself as well as the little people and I've taken an awful lot of what I've learned from parenting into the workplace so you know one of the things that we emphasize as our values in our our company culture is that we're imperfect um, and that it's okay to make mistakes and that you know the key thing is learning from your mistakes and all those sorts of things and that kind of came from observing our toddlers (laughs) particularly um, those of us who had one child or like how our eldest child's child was kind of behaving because you know I think we have a tendency to to maybe step in too early and try to help our children rather than allowing them enough space to make those mistakes for themselves and if they always feel like well I have to get it right first time then they start not wanting to try new things and it's exactly the same for adults you know you've got to feel safe to be able to try things and push yourself out side of your comfort zone knowing that it might not always go 100% right the right way for you and just to go back to what you're saying about the world of work and childcare, particularly not being well set up in this country mm. do you think there are any countries or cultures which have got it right or there are elements of the way that they do new parenthood yeah. that are better than than how we do it here in the UK quite often you look at towards the Nordic countries and um, the amount of leave that they get in Sweden um, I think fundamentally we 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 do need to be thinking about okay what what is the best result for the children 
and actually what kind of you know what is it that we want to be supporting within households like you know it's all well and good and saying oh well we'll just have amazing childcare that's available for children from birth I mean ultimately you don't necessarily want all children to be in childcare paid childcare from birth um, and therefore if if you know if you want to have parents at home raising those children then you need to have the policies in place to to actually support that happening and I would really like to see some use it and lose it parental leave for dads you know that that they actually do have some time carved out where it's not necessarily shared at the same time as a mother but it actually enables a mum to go back to work or a partner to go back to work that that they've got some time caring for the child as well um and it then it also means that the child has got a little bit longer at home with parents before they do go into formal childcare. so last question if there was one thing you could change about the world we live in which would help new mothers what would it be i think we really touched on it really yeah. i think it's i want to see shared parental responsibilities and, and that mums and dads are treated as equal partners in parenting concise and perfect <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much for having me if you'd like to book you and your baby into a class Happity has details of 22,000 classes all around the UK available on its website and app. You can also follow Happity on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And if you're interested in hearing more from Sarah, you can follow her on Instagram at happity.sarah. I've put links to all of these things in the show notes for this week's episode. As always... Please don't take anything said in this podcast as a substitute for proper medical advice. If you have any concerns about your mental health, feeling anxious or problems breastfeeding, then please do contact a GP or relevant medical professional. Thank you so much for listening today. Please do like us, follow us, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It helps please the algorithm gods and means more people will get to see and hear what we've got to say about postnatal health. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to leave us a review, even better. Don't forget, you can also follow Mother Bodies on Twitter and Instagram at Mother Bodies, where you can get highlights from each episode and some sneak previews of what's coming up. Thanks again and see you next time.